0: you an all-star, get your game on, go play, hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid, and
1: all that is gone. only shooting stars break the mold. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast, this is Barnsley, back again ahead of round 17, uh, we had Des Creek on last week, which is the 2019 Supercoach overall champions. So this week we've got 2018 Supercoach winner Guy Feeney, the the half of the Supercoach Champions podcast that could come on for me this week. <laughs> How are you going, Bear?
0: Yeah, mate, I'm going good. But again, you asked Wilf to come on before me. I had a message saying you were going to get me on and then I hear Des gets a run. Just <laughs> like. I'm feeling like one of those la- like last minute sort of things.
1: Well, I, I like to keep, I like to keep my draw cards till the end, mate, because I want people oh. to listen all the way through. So, you know, like the, the, the plebs will get out of the way earlier. You know, you get to come in in round 17. So it's a bit better.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds more like I'm one of those last minute 2 a.m. specials just before you leave the pub.
1: Yeah, but you know what? Like some of those 2am specials you think about for a week straight afterwards because they're pretty special. So <laughs> just, just let's, let's see how you perform for the next hour and then, then we'll take it from there, mate. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: How's your, how's your week been? You were on the podcast about a month ago. Has the last month treated you any kinder? I think you're around 20k a month ago and you're sort of focusing on your um, head to heads and stuff. Yeah,
0: I was always trying to catch that 1k, but it's just, I've had a good week, a bad week, good week, a bad week, and now I'm sitting, like, just at 10k, I don't even know if I'll catch five, it's been my worst year ever, but, I mean, (laughs) it's hard with a few things going on, especially, like, your little ones and that, you know how much time they take up, so. Oh, yeah,
1: I know all about that, don't worry, I just had, um, the... One year old birthday last week and that, and that's needles and everything as well and flu and COVID tests and all that stuff. So it's always fun when you're trying to do super coaching between all of that.
0: Yeah. Ours are pretty close then. Mine's, mine's first, uh, first birthday in a couple of days. So.
1: Oh, there you go. Yeah. August 21 for me. So it's all, um, it's all a good time of year, but also a bad time of year for all that stuff to fall. But last week, I think I dropped, I dropped over 2000 spots. I just plummeted. It was, Terrible week. Like, I looked at it, and I sort of initially was really worried about it, thinking, oh, no, Barnsley, you're going to have no one to play. Then I sort of went, oh, look, I'll do my two trades. I'll have 18 players. I'll leave Tenure Brown out because I never want to play him, and I wish I could get rid of him, and I've got a solid 17. And I had a bit of a look around, and and every other team was in carnage control as well. So I sort of thought, well, you know what? You could go all right this week because there's some teams I've seen that only have 16 players. And then all of a sudden, you know, the week comes to an end and it's like, oh man, that was the week from hell because SJ pulled out, I had to play to Newell Brown, uh, which wasn't the worst, but it wasn't great. Uh, and then I also, um, and this is a conversation I've had with a few people that have been chatting to me, I also, a couple of weeks ago, like most of us, ended up switching across to head-to-head um, mode because I had to really win some head-to-heads. And I mean all my head-to-head playoffs, but... The thing with that was that last week I went, oh, I can't really get like someone in that's going to score a hundred points because I don't want to spend that cash because I want that cash for the the head to head finals that are starting next week. So I got bloody Jared Croker in because he was only like 300 grand. Just thought, oh, well, go nuts, mate. You got one week in my team and then I'll just bench you. And yeah, he throws up 29 points with goal kicking and he kicked like five goals. So <laughs> he just, one of those weeks.
0: Remember the days he used to be like a top five centre, like just about every year?
1: Oh, yeah, and he, you know, he used to get that, even when he had his, um, his absolute mud games where he would do absolutely nothing and make hit ups, making three metres at a time, three times a game and that's it, which is what he did against the Bulldogs. Um, he'd still have those games that year, like probably three of them where he'd turn up or get close to it and he'd have like 135 games somewhere because you'd kick all the goals, score a couple of tries. The bastard doesn't even score tries anymore. Like he, <laughs> he does nothing.
0: <laughs> and what? And what about that? Uh, look, just going back to that JTb. He's been a a coward that you should have culled since about round six or seven. And I, I bet you he's hung around in most people's teams.
1: Oh, he's still he's still like twenty percent owned or something. Because it's one of those things this year where I think everyone got caught off guard because one like one one super coach rookie error that all of us still do sometimes is that. You overplay your hand on getting cash cows in, in the first half of the season, and then you end up not being able to get rid of some of them. I didn't quite do that, like I'm really cognizant of that in the last couple of years. But the other thing, the second thing is that all the injuries that hit meant that you were just, you didn't have the chance to do your upgrades or the moves that you wanted, because you were just in damage control going, oh, oh shit, this gun's out for four weeks, I've got to trade him instead. you got to get a gun in, because you can't afford to have a week in 17. And these guys,
0: like Tenor Browns, they just hang around for too long like a bad smell. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. Now, like, I've I've probably fell into that trap a bit at the start too. Um, But, yeah, and now you've just got – I've got, like, all these guys injured. Like you said, Yo's out, SJ's out. And at this stage, I think I need people just to play. So I need to trade them, which means I probably won't end up having enough trades to get rid of these cows. But right this season off, say it's an asterisk and – Try and pretend it never happened.
1: Well, if you win every every three years, or even if you do the dog, you know, the dog years every four years or whatever it is, then, you know, that would be all right, mate. So it wouldn't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> I haven't actually won since Supercoach has started, so I, you know, I'm under the pump a little bit more than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's start off going through, um, aside from how you're going, uh, I was talking to Des last week about sort of his plan for the run home and stuff. What's What's your trade plan now for the run home? I mean... As far as strategy goes and, and what you're looking to do like are you are you still trying to make, mainly focus on your classic um, finish or are you look looking more towards head to head finals and how are you sort of looking at your trades for the run home
0: Nah, i've never been like a it, oh, even though it's dumb on. I'm in a, a, a couple of head to head comps, but um, I've never been one to like move to it. I've I've always wanted to see how high up the ladder I can finish, so I'm still playing it as if chasing a top thousand finish. Like, I'll do that, but I've I've, I've resigned myself to the fact I'm not going to be able to loop at the end of the year. I've I, I've done that nearly every year I've played. I've cut I've cut my counts down and had like. A squad of about eighteen or nineteen to finish the year, and whoever you interchange out generally has as good a chance as any to uh, to score big. But um, yeah, this year I'm just gonna straight captain Tedesco, like I said probably about six weeks ago. And if Yo and SJ are out, I'm gonna trade them to get some scorers in that could match them, and then just hopefully I have enough trades to cover any rest or injuries to major players. So that's my only option, I think.
1: What's your trade numbers before you trade this week? How many do you have left?
0: Like six.
1: Well, that's that's better than me. I've got four, so that's not too bad, six. Let's move on to a few other strategy points to talk about for everyone listening before we move into TLT. So just a few things to consider for the final month that I always think about myself, but um, I find that I'm talking to a lot of people about. So It's good just to mention, and like some of this stuff, there's going to be some super coaches that have done this for many years and said, oh, look, I I know all about this and whatever. That's fine. This is a podcast for everyone. You know, I had uh, someone asking about how to loop on the weekend, and they were really appreciative to be shown how to do it because they played for two years they didn't know. So obviously everyone needs to think about a few things in the next month differently. But one of the things uh, that I've sort of flagged when I'm making my trades now is um, the resting of players. Um, So I'm really cognizant of that. So I was even just talking to someone before we started recording who was – who was looking at trading Sevo, but they had some other guys to trade that were just nobodies and and, or or even a Yao and getting some extra cash in the bank for next week's trades. And I'm pretty big at the moment on making sure that I've got as many players as possible because like we saw last week, there's going to be injuries. we got the crusher tackle that's being looked at very, well, scrutinised quite a bit by the match review committee. And then in the last month, you're going to have guys rested. So I'm pretty cognizant when I'm doing my trades now for these final trades for the month. I don't want to, um, I don't want to trade guys that I can maybe play during the next month. So Sebo was an example, plays the Tigers and the Broncos the last two rounds. And you know, that's pretty good matchups. But if you're leaving yourself with, you know, 18 or 19 guys to play, then bear, you you could be in real trouble. So I mean, that's one thing I think that I would give advice to people to consider for the final month.
0: Yeah. I I mean, yeah, you, you are right. I just, um, like that that strategy I use is generally i I generally try to have say maybe five or six trades left at the end of the year, so by the time I've culled down to that eighteen or nineteen, you can just hold your trades and trade someone in and out if, like you said there's been players rested, but you you also look at it, and I think um. A few teams have have picked up on it a little bit more. Remember that year Melbourne rested a few players going into the finals, and they played like bastards. Yep, yep. I think I think a few a few coaches are like not so big into doing that, particularly into the lead up, like the last two games going into finals. I think resting your players the week before I think's a recipe for disaster. But I think over the next what there's four games left. Yep. I reckon in the next like one or two games, you might see players like maybe Nathan Cleary. He, he might get a quick, um, breather in the next, in two or three games leading up to the finals. Yeah. So it, it'll definitely happen. But like guys coming back from injury, you, you wouldn't expect them to give like Munster or Smith a rest again now. Probably not guys like Toto either. Like, so if, if they're coming back from injuries, you could pretty, pretty much safely say they're going to play the season now.
1: That's something to consider, like someone like To'o, oh, who we're going to talk a little bit about more. He's not, he's not a guy that he's going to, he's going to be a gun, but he's not a gun that's going to get rested, um, at all. So that's, that's a plus as far as a trade in. Whereas there's obviously some other guys that, that may very well get rested. And when I'm saying rested, like what you're saying is completely valid. Like some coaches may not want to have guys sit out a game. And especially with the way this season's played out, it's a bit different. You know, they haven't been playing straight for 20 rounds. Maybe they don't want to do that, but. Rested isn't just missing a game; it is also minutes. So, like someone like Isaiah Yo, he he might may very well come back next week. But what if he only plays, you know, fifty minutes? Like we just saw with takiaho last week, he only played twenty eight. So there's yeah. that that resting as well, um, where guys just might not get the minutes they normally get. And for someone like Yo, that just kills his value. So if you sort of have an indication of that beforehand, it gives you a bit of an idea on on sort of who to start, who not to, and who to avoid trading in.
0: Yeah, and like you said, if, I, you'd be looking at, like, teams that have sort of stacked, um, players there. So, like, you look at guys like, um, the Roosters, where they've now added Sonny Bill, they've got, um, Butcher, Cordner's back, what's his name, who's playing on the wing? I can't say his name, probably Tua, Satili, T- 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 whatever his name is. Oh, uh, Tupanua, yeah. Tupanua, he, he's killing it, and then, so, I mean, those guys are going. Yeah, I think that pack's going to have um, restricted minutes. uh you look. I, I think if you're looking at forwards, you've got to look at guys at the Storm like Welch. Who now that um, Melbourne have missing a, a fair few chunk of their forwards, especially those middle forwards. Someone like Welch is probably going to play some big minutes. I reckon they won't. They won't afford to be able to give him a rest.
1: Yeah, and I mean that leads into the next point really well, where. One of the things that you can do is you can turn this around into a positive, and by that I mean if you're looking at, at um, games or you've got some info um, for a week of footy where you know guys are going to get less minutes, or even if you've got an inkling about it, you can think about how you can take advantage of it. So, for example, you know, if you know, um you know, one really good example in my team, for instance, I'm I really like that I have Stephen Crichton in my team and that I've kept him. Because you mentioned Nathan Cleary earlier. Nathan Cleary, I agree with you 100%. I could easily see the Panthers being up 40-0 against the Broncos 60 minutes into this game on um, Thursday night. And then Cleary getting yanked and and Tyrone Mays on the bench and he can just go straight into the halves and it's all gravy. But what that means is the knock-on effect is that um, Crichton is the backup goal kicker. So for that last 20 minutes... Uh, the Panthers could run in another three tries and Crichton could get a, a freebie 12 points just from kicking goals. Um, so that's a real, a real factor as well when you consider who's going to be the beneficiary. The forward pack rotations obviously work the same. You know, if you've got some guys who, are, you know, are young, who haven't played many games um, or who are coming back, like if Angus Crichton comes back this week or next, it's unlikely he's going to lose minutes because he's going to need match fitness. Whereas other guys around him might get rested. So he might be a good buy in the next couple of weeks because he's, you he might be relatively safe.
0: Yeah, possibly. The only problem with that is, is, a, oh, well, not really. I mean, you got Corner who you, I'd expect him to play, um, some big minutes because I want him foreign and then, um, they'd want to get sunny some minutes and then Crichton. So it, it's pretty stacked there, the guys you've got. What about they were even talking, though, that they reckon Crichton mightn't even start?
1: I think that that'll be a real Robbo thing that, to do. Um, he does it a lot. Where he, Even if you remember, TKO came back and he just, you know, this is only six six games or less after he won the the best front runner in the world last year. And um, he came off the bench, I think, for the for Roosters' first two games, I think, this season. So that's just Robbo being conservative. When guys have been out for a little while, he'd just rather bring them off the bench and bring them along slowly. So... I could definitely see that happening for sure, but that's going to be great for um, price rises, right? Because he'll probably drop for two weeks, and then maybe he's a he's a banger of a pod for the last two weeks with you know five hundred k price tags or something.
0: Man, I hope he gets name minutes to finish the year, and you can pick him up next. <laughs> <laughs> as long as he plays well in the finals, I'm fine as a Roosters fan. Um, Mate, I mean, I mean that guys like him though. You'd expect. I just feel, especially someone like him, it. it I think he's got a big motor naturally, so I don't think he needs as much like to recover as much fitness as you think. Like you you can tend to see players like him who can come back and it and don't miss a beat, but then you get players like your Sean Lane's or your AFBs, um, players who are a bit chunkier, a bit bigger, who needs who need the meters on their legs to build their motor back up a bit. So yeah, there there's so many variables but um I think a really... the. I think where he's a position for the Roosters, they they need to win a few more games just to cement a place in the 4 don't they, or he's pretty safe.
1: Uh, I think that Newcastle did us a favour by losing, actually. So, like, we still... I think we're still going to want to win the next couple of weeks. But, I mean, after that, if we win the next two, I think we're pretty, pretty set on the top four. So I don't think it'll make much difference the last couple of weeks of the season. Yeah. That's when it becomes a bit scary. But one of the other things, too, there is... Um, Uh, I've spoken to a lot of people about this. And it seems, again, this might seem to me and you or to to other super coaches that have done this for a long time, it might seem you know, pretty basic. But uh, one of the other things, now that we're in head-to-head finals, I can't say enough. Like People need to be waiting as late as possible to do their trades. And that's the other bit of advice and strategy I'd give now that we're in the head-to-head finals month. You've got to wait to do your trades for a number of reasons. One, there might be outs that are going to change things. SJ was a laid-out two weeks in a row now that changes your trades around. You don't want to give your opposition the chance to to see what players you're going to have um, because they can match you, they can um, do some different things with the matchup up early, um, so it gives you a bit of an advantage there. The other thing, too, is that uh, not many people ever talk about. is it, It's a way that you can guarantee winning a loop as well. So, like, if you know that you've got, you know, an, an Avarillo as your AE, but you've got your VC on Cleary and he throws up 200 points, you know, you could... Use one of your trades during that round. Then, if you wait past lockout to get rid of your AE nightmare, even if you just nuff them, because it's then going to guarantee you, say, an AE of seventy points or whatever it might be. So, you've got to really wait as long as you can to, to use your trades. And I, I still see, even in my um my matchups, so many people trading before the round starts and not doing it during the round. And it's just, I can't say it enough, mate.
0: Yeah. Now, the first thing, the first thing you should be doing is identifying some of the targets you want. So generally when I do it, I I make a choice on who I want to trade out and I have my two targets that I want. And then I um, order it so I know how many games I can wait before I have to make that trade, especially if I need to um, substitute dual position players. So you don't want to get caught short having to move a duel if the other one's already played and he's locked up. So I'll go through, make sure that I know which games I can get up to before I have to do those swaps. But, yeah, it's it's always important to wait until the last minute to make those trades.
1: Yep, 100%. Um And going along the same lines as well, um it does allow you to get pods into a match-up and change your trades in a head-to-head. So, for instance... If you're if you're like 200 points behind and you've got the same amount of plays as the other guy, that's when you need to get real funky with your trades and go. I'm going to throw the plan out the window and I'm just going to get a couple of high upside guys. Like that would be the time where you'd, you'd throw a a Civo in where you'd say, you know, it was never, it wasn't a great trade before, but you need someone that can turn up and maybe he can, you know. And you just have to throw caution to the wind because otherwise, you know, after this week. If you lose this week and you're not playing head-to-head anymore, none of it matters for the last three weeks. How many trades you have left, who's in your team, all of it's unimportant because you're out.
0: Yeah, and especially if you've got cash on the lines.
1: The last thing that I'll probably say for people for this last month of footy with the head-to-head finals is, firstly, I never ever see who I'm going to see until the last minute because I don't want my opponent to match me. And that's when you can definitely lose some um, some head-to-heads. I actually made a mistake a few weeks ago and I left it on who I was going to captain, um, and the bloke got ahead of me by like 250 points in the first four games, and he looked like he was going to take it out easily, and then he just threw the C onto whoever I had at C at the time, might have been Tedesco or something, and that just cancelled out any hope I had of catching him, uh, I didn't realise until kick-off, so definitely wait for your C, like during the round, um, don't let your opponent know who it is, but probably the the last thing that we'll finish on with the strategy stuff for the head-to-head finals bear is. The draw, what people, players have done up until this point really doesn't matter so much. You know, you're really playing a week-to-week game where you've got to throw some hand grenades in to win because it's a survival mode now. Uh, and it also only matters what someone's going to do for the next month of football, which isn't much. So if you've got an, an outside back in particular, and we were talking just before, you know, if you've got a centre wing like um Nofaluma, who's been one of the best centre wings all year, it doesn't really matter that he's been the best centre wing all year. It just matters whether in this last month of football he's going to be the best centre wing. And like we said with the Brian Tuo example, toho is probably going to outscore him in the last month of football. It doesn't mean that he's going to have a better average for the year. He's going to be well down in the ranks of centre wings to, to own probably behind Nofo. But it's all about the next month, isn't it?
0: Yeah, like you said, especially... You're looking forward. And we discussed this on um, our podcast the other day. I still stand by. Oh, it's one of those people who said to sell Nofo, And, um, people have been giving it to me a bit because he's had like a 60 and a 70 or whatever. But, um, again, he's, if you had traded him to a Toto or even a Kotrick before last week, you've actually made cash and you've been beating him on points. So, um, it, it's probably still a good move. And, and, and I think I agree with you. Toto is probably going to outscore him on the run home. And I think there's potential for a number of other centres to do the same. So just because he's pumping out sixes, you could have had someone like Toto who might outscore him by an extra four points or five points maybe. I think it'll be more. But then you could use that extra 200K or whatever you could have saved to strengthen up another position as well. So, yeah, definitely, I'd, I'd definitely be looking at some matchups and seeing where you can take advantage in some positions.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like, it's, it's just a, really, to put it basically, name, your name, mean, name value means absolutely nothing at this time of year. I mean, it's, it's basically the state of origin from the nineties where you've got Jamie, Jamie Goddard versus Andrew Johns and it didn't matter that Andrew Johns was an immortal, he's still got his ass handed to him and the, the lesser known Jamie Goddard came out on top. So <laughs> name value means nothing. It's just about that game, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Um, definitely. So just. Oh yeah, you wouldn't be writing some of those guys off. Like even, um, again, we discussed this, even a Mitchell Moses, now that Dylan Brown's out, um, last year you saw what Moses was doing when Brown was out and he didn't have, uh, like one of those stronger halves beside him. So he might even be a, um, option for you on the run home. Um, I know Parry's not playing that well, but mate, that's, uh, he could easily turn that around too.
1: I love him this week. We'll talk about him when we get to the Warriors game. Let's get stuck in a TLT because you've got me excited now. We've got the first game of the round as the the Broncos versus Panthers. For the Broncos side, Corey Ace is back with Carhu out and Farnworth slotting into the centre role. Payne Huss returns, which is really good news for those that held him. Um, Joe O is suspended and then everything else is relatively irrelevant, although most of the Broncos are this year, unfortunately, for the Panthers. Yo's out as we as we mentioned, he's out at least this week, although they've said that he's gonna be back next week. You'd want to watch out for reduced minutes potentially. Um Kick-Hall is back from suspension. Kirk Capel's on the bench, which I, I didn't realise that he was so close to returning, so that sort of I guess uh puts a bit of cold water on my Liam Martin love that I had last week. Um and Appy Correso's been named in the reserves, but there's been strong mail today that he's now gonna be starting, which is fantastic news for Appy owners. So Mate, probably first things first, when we're looking at um, market watch with these guys, when we're looking at um, the outs, they're probably, the only guy that's getting chucked out of note is Appy, that's actually going to be playing. I assume that is going to change. He's the 10th most traded out player at the moment. That's probably going to change. A lot of people are probably going to hold him now. But Yo is actually in the top 10 most traded out. This one's cause a little bit of conjecture. So I'm interested to see your take on it. He's the second most traded out player at 13.2%. They've said that he's returning next week. I've actually been a big advocate of getting rid of Yo though. So I'll give you my few points and then you can tell me whether you think I'm wrong or not. But to me, Yo is someone who is completely minutes dependent on his value. If he's not playing big minutes in centre wing, he's not going to score that great. He's not a guy that's got a huge ceiling where he's going to get you 120 points He's still heavily owned even after everyone's trading him out. He's obviously not playing next week. He might be useless, um, next week as well. So that's two out of the four weeks that you might not really be able to start him for. Uh, so I just think it makes too much sense at his value just to, to pun him and to get rid of him. Um, so I reckon that that makes complete sense, but are you a, a pro trade yo or do you think that you should be holding him?
0: Nah, I'm, I'm a, uh, pro trade yo. Yeah, I'm just a bit nervous, too, with... I think he's had two pretty serious head injuries now. And I I just think you need those points, too. Like, he's still worth a fair bit. You can probably find someone who can fill in for him who's probably going to score similar or outscore him on the run home.
1: Yeah, and it's because of his value, too. Like, 561,000, you could trade him and another centre wing that you're not even barely using, like... One of those guys that's sort of around the 400 or 350k mark and you can come out of it with two playable set of wings for the run home. So I think he just gives you that great upgrade opportunity. And the people that are holding him, you know, we're talking about head to head finals as well. Yeah, there's still 54% of teams that own you. Uh, even if, you know, 15% end up selling him, he's still going to be high 30s in ownership. All those teams are going to end up playing him next week and a lot of them will just play him blindly and it's a week where he might throw up 45 points. So you're really going to get the jump on all those teams uh, with these high-ownership players that do get reduced minutes potentially.
0: I'm liking your thinking on that one.
1: On the trade-in players, uh, there's actually four out of the top 10 now are Panthers. Makes complete sense with the Broncos matchup here. Brian To'o is the second most traded in. 6.2% of coaches are bringing him in. He's only roughly 480k. Uh, he's coming off a 97-point game last week. I was hugely into him last week. I was 20k off him there. So it was absolutely brutal that I missed that 97 points and had Jared Croker stinking up instead. But he's only in two percent of teams, mate, and he's probably only going to be in ten percent of teams. Even after you know a splurge on getting him into sides this week, he looks like a premium trade in against the Broncos. I'd expect another 97 points out of him.
0: Yeah, I think I'm jumping on him. I haven't done my trade yet, so I might nudge that needle up a bit. But um, it, I mean, it, it's on clear. I mean, Clear has been playing both sides of the park, but Cleary's generally on that right, calling the ball. They they're loving that um little rainbow pass. Teams have been throwing now to him. So Broncos edges are oh, not, not even their edges. Their whole team's been pathetic this year. So and the Panthers are playing good footy. So it's it's going to be uh I think it could be a bloodbath too. And I think he might. I think you're right. He might get. I I might chuck a bet on and say he scores three tries.
1: Well, I've had a look, and I tell you what, you won't see shorter odds than this. Brian to- too and Stephen Crichton are both at $1.50 to score any time. <laughs> oh yeah, that should tell you how, how much chance they are of getting over the line, those guys. Um, so you, we're both on the, on the Brian Toe brand wagon. He's also going to be a complete pod still as well, if not you know a pretty low ownership player, at maybe 11% or something. Uh, so this is a week to get him in. The Panthers have got a mint draw. Broncos this week, but... Crichton is another guy I mentioned before. He's not in the top ten, but I I already owned him. But if I didn't I'd have a huge amount of interest in him. Um I was comparing him to Mansor with someone I was chatting to a bit earlier today. So Mansor's coming in at you know the fourth most traded in player, five hundred and seventy eight K. Mansor's gone on a tear, so he completely deserves to be top four. Um he's now gone A couple of games in a row where he scored tries, I think three games in a row, which is which is phenomenal for him. 76 points, 118 points, and 75 points his last three weeks. I I don't know about you, Bear, but I'm kind of a bit turned off by it a little bit because Mantua doesn't score tries that often. I'm worried that, you know, each week that he gets another try, he's less likely to get tries the next week. Comparing him to someone like Stephen Crichton, who I think is a comparable player to get in, I actually sided slightly with Crichton, and you know, I didn't know whether that's because you know I own him, so I'm sort of all invested in him. But you know, I I just sort of see bigger upside with him to to turn up for this last month over um, over Mansell.
0: I've got Crichton as well. I've had him for a little while now, so it, it, it's funny you, you watch the tries from Mansell, and it's generally boards that go out behind Crichton or uh, Crichton's fallen over just because. It was weird. At the start of the season, he looked to be given some early ball, but I don't know. Crichton scored a try and all of a sudden he just got blood rushed for the line. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you. I'd, I'd tend to lean Crichton as a bit better. He, he definitely doesn't have Mansour's base, which obviously you don't expect from the centre. They don't get those runs off kicks, but, um, Yeah, he's been playing some good footy. I think his his try-scoring rate's been pretty hectic over the last few weeks. So they're they're both pretty dangerous. And you could nearly... It's not exactly like the Raiders back when it was... Oh, well, it kind of is. You had BJ and Rapana for the Raiders that year. They were going off, and you could easily argue you could probably get away with having them both in your team. So some
1: sort of cransaw... (laughs)
0: <laughs> acronym <laughs> we need to try and
1: screw it to him.
0: Yeah, something like that. That sounds alright. Yeah, like and I mean they're both they're both averaging pretty high at the minute, so I don't think it's the worst idea. Like you you look at Mansour, and he's um batting at his three three round average is an eighty-nine, five round is seventy-four, Crichton He's dropped down a bit from what he was, but a fifty-five and a fifty-seven. If if you're getting that out of both of your centres, you'd be pretty happy with that.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess that the problem is that they're just going so well. It's really hard because you can't you can't have Crichton, To'o and Mansor all in your centre wing because that's three out of your four centre wings tied to one team, and that's a bit a bit hectic. Um You probably want to be choosing two out of those three. Uh, I, I think To'o is a no-brainer. And I think that you can't go wrong with Metz or Crichton. I'm just going to lean Crichton and I will throw out a stat here. In round nine against the Sharks when, um, Penrith absolutely blitzed them, uh, Cleary went off early and he's, and Crichton started kicking and he scored two tries and then 115 points total because he had the extra points from the goal kicking as well. And that's his highest score of the season where he got some extra cheapies goal kicking. So, I'm kind of expecting the same thing this week against the Broncos. I think that he'll turn up.
0: Yeah, no, nah, I reckon you're right. So,
1: aside from those outside backs for the Panthers, um, the, other, the other Panther that's on the top 10 most training is Nathan Cleary. He speaks for himself, so we won't talk about him as far as ins go. Uh, but people are bringing back Jerome Luai. So, Luai's gone on a bit of a run now where... I think all the, all the sellers have got regret and they're, they're trying to, you know, get him back in the side and burning a second trade on him. I, I don't really understand this one that much. He's gone 83 and 110 the last two weeks. But if you have a look at, at his work before that, it's not like he was setting the world on fire. And as someone who sold him, you know, a month ago, um, he definitely was not setting the world on fire. He had 25 and 44 points before his great scores the last two weeks. Um, even against the Broncos side, where he might score well against. I just don't see the appeal of actually bringing him in. I see the appeal of if you've got him to play him. As far as guys trading him in, I'm kind of a bit against this one. What's your take on
0: uh, trading I'm, in, or? Yeah, I'm with you. If if you've got him playing him, and, again, against the Broncos, he's probably going to run up a score. But to be, bring him in now, I, I don't think it's the best idea. I mean, with Johnson out, most people would probably have... Two five eights by now, you'd think. Not worth the trade, is it? Like,
1: you could, you could trade someone into another spot where you need someone like center wing or second row or
0: something. Yeah. And like you said, you've got those few outs with yo. Everyone would have him. Most people would have SJ if you're serious about it. I don't know. It, w- it wouldn't be for me personally. Like, I'm not going to rag on you too much if that's a move you do, but yeah. It, and the pedigree's not there. If it was someone like a, um, like a Munster or a Cleary, if you trade them out because they're having a bad trot or an injury, and fine, trade them back in. But if if you have someone who's already traded Luai out, there's no way I'd be bringing him back.
1: No, 100%. Um, When we're talking about pods and um, other players of interest for this particular game with the Panthers, uh, the edge back rowers stick out because the Broncos let up more points than just about anyone uh, to edge back rowers. Their edge defences are always terrible. I own Kikau, I'm salivating. But really, you know, you may as well talk about Kikau and Liam Martin at the same time. Liam Martin I was big on last week running at a weak edge. Um, He ended up getting pretty close to turning up. Um, Went really well. And Kikau's obviously back this week after suspension. So both of those guys, you know, Martin's gone 84 and 99 the last two weeks when he scored a try. He's, He's heavy odds to go over the line this week. If Martin doesn't go over the line you'd think that kickouts a guarantee because one of those edges, if not both, are going to score a try against the Broncos. I'm pretty confident in saying. Um, and kickout has got two tries out of his last four. Um, I thought he's looked a lot better with a three-round average of 65 and a fiver of 68. I, I would want to own one of these edges against the Broncos. Um, with Cape on the bench, I'm a little bit scared of um, of someone like Liam Martin. But, bear, you know, I'm a kickout already, but he's 500 grand... These are the type of moves that you make, um, when you're trying to target the last month of football. He's running at a Broncos edge this week, which is going to be very favourable. Parramatta edge, not as much, but then the, the Cowboys and the Bulldogs edges aren't great defensively. So throughout the next four weeks, he's actually got really good edge matchups. Uh, so I actually don't mind him as a bit of a, a pod player.
0: Yeah, no, nah, it's, it's not too bad. Again, I don't know if he, he'd be someone I'd bring in. I've been pretty high on him, but He's actually been a little bit disappointing. Like He's had some low scores in some games. You'd expect him to get big ones. I'm probably a bigger fan of Martin, to tell you the truth.
1: Yep. Are you worried about Capel on the bench for Martin?
0: No, I'd be more worried about it for Kickout.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kicker, um he seems to only play 80 minutes every third game, um, but he doesn't play less than 60. So he's still going to get his 60-plus minutes. Uh And I, I guess, like I said to someone the other day, you know, I agree with you as far as him being disappointing. Like if Kicker doesn't get his clutch attack stats, he's terrible. He's not good, and you can't play him. So you're only trading him in if you think that he's going to get clutch attack. If you think he's going to use line breaks and his tries, then you get him in. If you if you're not thinking that he's going to get there, then don't get him. I'm just someone who believes that he's going to go across the line against the Broncos on that
0: edge. Yeah, but and and I mean the Broncos are bad, but he should be he should be getting it anyway. Like the how big he is and. He can he runs those line, like some good lines every now and again. I don't understand why he can't do it all the time. Like <laughs> just, it just blows my mind. Like the potential he's got is crazy. But anyway, yeah, I, I, like you're definitely on to a winner. I think this week. But if I had none of them and wanted to bring one in, I'd probably lean Martin. Uh,
1: I can't argue with that. I love Lean Martin. If he keeps that job, he's going to be really yeah. good for the run home, and he's he's owned by nobody.
0: Nah, and just a bit of a better work rate too.
1: Oh, kick out as lazy as anything, so it's, it's not hard. I think you've got a better work rate than my kick outer. <laughs> <laughs> That's, look, we've spoken about the Panthers a lot, and I'll just tell everyone listening, like, the reason is because it is the best matchup this week. There, There is, you want every piece you can get of it. If you own no Panthers bear, you want to spend both your trades on getting two Panthers in this week, I reckon.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the Broncos are done. There's a fair, there's a few teams who are done, but the Broncos are just, they're, they've been a dumpster fire. Yeah. Oh, and, and the season pretty much summed up with that whole TPJ thing, like the whole, oh, we're stripping his, um, ripping up his contract on, oh, ah, the board's gonna save him. Oh, just crazy.
1: And not to segue too much, but, they put all these stipulations on, like, I think they thought that they were they were going to look really professional, like, that they've put a hard line in the sand and stuff. There's absolutely no chance he's going to meet any of the standards he put, they put down. Like, he's not, he's, he's not someone that's ever really that fit or disciplined. Like, and they're saying he's got to turn up, he's got to train this whole time, he's got to put all this other work in. The thing that got me with it is when they said, you're not allowed to be on social media. I, I would wager that within a month after this kicks in, he's going to be on social media again at some point. Like, you're just setting yourself up for failure putting those type of things into some sort of contract.
0: Yeah, especially these young kids, they're, they're always on it. But yeah, they're done. I'd be, uh, that, that, you could nearly use that as a tactic on the way right home. Just whoever's playing the Broncos, just use your two trades on them.
1: Uh, How the mighty have fallen. News Limited are turning in their graves. (laughs) The the Payne House trade is going to be back on the rails this week. Um, He's probably the only Bronco worth talking about. David Fafita went well last week. Um, I kind of don't see him continuing to do that. But if you bought him, you'd be happy. But Payne House is in the most ten um, top ten traded in players this week. I I really don't know what to think about this one. So I'm going to lean on you with guidance. I'm I held him, so I'm fine with playing him. I don't know whether I'd buy him or not um, because I tend to think that other that people have two front row forwards that they can obviously play at the moment, so they don't really need to bring him in. And he is someone where I kind of think that the Broncos season is completely over. They're going to get flogged. Maybe he gets 55 or 60 minutes or they go easy on him the last month because I know a lot of Broncos supporters and non-supporters have sort of raised their eyebrows a few times when he was getting his 80-minute games going, well, why are you burning this kid out? Because, you know, the season's done
0: yeah, I don't think that he'll be getting the eighty, but I think Freddie might be on the phone to him saying make sure he's still getting some minutes ready for Origin.
1: What do you think about trading him in? Like,
0: I'd I'd trade him in, mate. I'd like you go through those front rowers again, and and his average, he's still at a seventy five average. So that's pretty massive. If if you're one of the leaders and you traded him out, for me, you have to have him to finish. Just because he's so much... I, I still think he's better than everyone in the front row, but yep. I, I just feel you'd rather not make that mistake. Like, if you lost, making that mistake, maybe you... I, I just think if I lost and brought him in, I'd handle that better, I think, than not than leaving him out and losing, if you know what I mean. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't think it's a bad trade-in. I'm just not really... It's just one of those ones where I'm not really sure. But, yeah, yeah I can see why people are doing it, mate. Captaincy options for this one. It's a bit hard. It's the first game. So normally you'd want to throw your VC. It's, it's got to be Cleary. There isn't really any other guy in this game that you want to really get a VC on. But in saying that, there is a lot to be said for the early C because in head to head finals, um, obviously when it opens up after lockout, you're going to see your opposition's team and everything and with their makeup and what they've done. And if you throw the straight C on Cleary just before kickoff, you're going to catch the other team unawares that you're playing against, uh, and they're also not going to be able to match your captaincy. And he's he, he could obviously throw up 150 points against the Broncos. So I mean, which way would you go on this one?
0: Yeah, well, I did say I was going to stick with Teddy for the run home, but um I, I won't lie; I, I am thinking about straight captain and Cleary on this game. Even like you said, you're you're worried he might if they're up by 40, he gets an early shower, but. You'd assume if they're up by 40, he's probably put on near 100 points anyway. So, um, the only way you'd regret that is if Teddy went out and had another 160 point game.
1: Oh, that would be brutal. <laughs> I was going to put, I was going to put the C on Cleary, um, for most of the week, but, um, I have reconsidered a little bit. So I'm not sure, but I, I don't think you can go wrong with the C or the VC on him. He's definitely the option for this one. Yeah. Right, I'm going to go with, um, 50 to 6 Penrith win. Yeah right. So you think that I'm being too generous? You think it should be like sixty to six, or where are you, where are you at? <laughs> um, I don't
0: know. I, I think uh, I just think sometimes when you're expecting to flog and they pull it out. I just, I just I just want to go back to some of the Broncos players and touch on a few of them. Obviously, um, Paddy Carrigan is someone who, if you've got him in your team, you wouldn't trade him out. Definitely. And I, I don't agree with you on Dave Feeder. I actually looked at him and couldn't do it a couple of weeks ago. I I honestly think I've never seen someone who can just create some like a a front or oh, a second row who can create something like nothing out of that. Like you had Sonny Bill who. Could get like break the line, obviously clean break through the line, had speed to go, and he had that reach around with the offload and stuff. But like he can be standing still and just run straight over the top and through people. I really like him, mate, for super coach, and think he's going to get better. I think he could be a trade in. I know the Broncos have got it rough on the way home, but if you wanted to try something a bit different, I I wouldn't mind jumping on him.
1: I'm going to backpedal a little bit. I'm not interested at all looking at him this week, but I'm not going to write him off for the whole year. Um, next week, I think, is the week where he becomes really relevant to talk about because he's going to be playing the Gold Coast Titans, who are both the double bummer of a really poor edge defence plus the team that he's going to play for next year. So I'd be comfortable doing it next week. He's got a 63 BE, so you're not going to lose much weighting. Uh, I'd just be a bit hesitant this week because I reckon they'll get flogged.
0: Yeah, uh, fair. Hey, I'll just... Just another quick tangent, if you don't mind. What do you, what do you think about the, um, Titans pack next year? They're getting to, I know it's young and inexperienced, but it's, um, pretty ferocious.
1: Yeah. They they are building a pretty good pack, which is good because they'll probably be doing a lot of tackling again. Um, I'm really in two minds about it. Because I think that the David Fifita contract was kind of ridiculous. Oh,
0: yeah, the contract's ridiculous, but he's a good—he—he's not worth that money, but he's one of the better young forwards.
1: Yeah, well, that's why it's so hard because he's a really good player, and he's a—he's you know a rep player for the next ten years potentially, and you know I'd I'd definitely be trying to buy him like they did. It's a coup that they managed to move him on from Brisbane, but at the same time paying him one point two or one point two five a year, whatever it is. It's just way overs for an edge back row and an edge back row isn't going to change your fortunes. And I mean, like the, the Bulldogs are a great example. The Bulldogs have had great packs for years. It hasn't stopped them from never making the top eight. So you got to have other stuff around it. And I just don't like how they've spent the money, um, on, on guys like him. Obviously they've got Big Tino coming from your mob at Melbourne as well to strengthen them. I didn't love that either because I like him as a prospect, but I just hate paying a prospect 650 grand a year or whatever it is when they're yeah. kind of unproven, you know?
0: The only issue is there's, there's really no halves coming off contract. Like you look around and all the good ones are going to be locked up for a while. And there's the, the out of these young guys, like you, you see flashes from them, but then you see the inconsistency. And I don't think, I, like I can't put my finger on one of those younger halves who I'm like going to say, Oh, that guy's going to develop into a really good player. So at, at the minute, I don't know if you could sink your cash into a half long term and think that he's going to change the fortunes of the club. So I get, I get that a edge forward won't do it, but you, you probably need someone to go there to drag other players there. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a fit, bad situation for him, but anyway. I
1: mean, the other thing too is that, um, like there isn't many halves around and it's something, uh, it's a much longer conversation because I've had this one with a few footy heads that, it's remarkable it hasn't been mentioned that over the last decade, there has just been a complete dried-up well that used to be halves in the NRL. Like, you can go through the teams the last few years, and only half of the teams in the NRL actually have good halves. And there's a lot of halves that wouldn't have played 10 years ago. They wouldn't have been in the NRL. But they're, they're playing every week now. And you just don't have young kids coming up through either that are the next Andrew Johns or Jonathan Thurston. It's a much longer conversation, but it's a real issue and it's what happened to centre probably five years ago as well, where all of a sudden we don't have any centres anymore. Those two positions, to me, uh, have dried up significantly. So I agree with you. There isn't really many options for the Times. But what I would say with their outside backs, they could have... Yeah, their outside backs have changed every couple of months, uh, let alone year on year, on, on who their centre and wing combinations are, who their fullback is. They bring in guys like you know, Corey Thompson and stuff, who are serviceable. But if it's only going to be for a couple of months, you know, what good is it? You know, the, I just... If you're talking about signings, like the Bulldogs signed Nick Kotrick to play centre. You know, I, I really like that. I don't think that, you know, five fifty or whatever they paid is overs, you know, they could have signed someone like Nick Kotrick to go into centre, and that kind of solidifies a spot in their back line. You know, those are the type of moves, I think, like, balance out their team a bit better.
0: Yeah, fair call. Cool.
1: But we... We digress talking about Queensland teams way too much, so they're not going too well. Let's get off this one, mate. I will tell all the listeners, we were going to spend a heap more time on this game because there's so many Panthers that are relevant and you want to get them into your side. Some of these other games aren't going to be as relevant. Like this next game, for example, where we've got the Newcastle Knights versus the Cronulla Sharks. So two teams that aren't necessarily going great guns at the moment. The Knights have got some changes that are reasonably insignificant. The big news is that um, Mitch Barnett's name they're going to play. He had a sternum injury last week. He's all good to go. There was talk that he might get needled up, though, and he's going to wear a guard, so I certainly wouldn't be trading him in like we were Keen on last week. For the Sharkies, Chad Townsend returns. That's going to be good for them, not because Townsend's fantastic, but because SJ is out again. Andrew Fafita's been dropped to the reserves. Ramien's been named again, so that's good for his owners. And Toby Rudolph's been named to start again. This is one of those games, this round there, where on market watch, there isn't really much happening at all. So, we're not having a look at it. Really, we've got two Sharks being traded out in, Sean Johnson and Toby Rudolph. I think that makes sense for both of them. Um, I will touch on Johnson a little bit. Trading in, though, nobody's bringing in any Sharks players or Knights players. Uh, with Sean Johnson, big question, 13.7% of coaches are trading him out. There's a chance that he's back next week and it's versus the New Zealand Warriors. So I've done everything I could to hold him, which, you know, wasn't hard to do. He's going to be sub 20% owned next week, if not even less. And I'd love to have him for that Warriors matchup in the second round of the head to head playoffs. So I'm a big fan of holding him. I don't think people need to trade him. Where do you sit on SJ this week?
0: Oh, see, I have said I was going to trade him just because that's a lot of money on my bench. I get your point about New Zealand next week, but uh, it's just like, uh, and like I said, I'll probably, like, I might even waste a trade to get him out and get him back in. I just think, tough. I, I, I can see going either way. Like, again, his price, you could probably even get a Daily Cherry Evans in, who I think will have a pretty good run home, even with a bit of a busted pack. I reckon the, the, the competition they're playing isn't too crash hot, and I think the Eagles can score a few points and he'd be right in it. I wouldn't criticise anyone going either way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it, I'm looking at it through the view that I've got a million injuries, so I've got that many guys I can trade out. It's it's not hard for me to hold Sean Johnson. Um, like, a, a lot of people own um, Yo, for example. Like, I would trade Yo before I traded SJ. I, I think if you can find other guys to trade in your team, then you do that and you hold SJ. But but if you can't, then I agree with you that that particular team that doesn't have other guys to trade out that are hurt or high value or need to be nuffed out, like Sean Johnson then makes sense for those teams, I guess. So another guy that's on the 10 um, most traded out from this game is the Newcastle Knights, Caelan Ponga. So a few percent of coaches are trading him out. He's the sixth most traded out player. Uh, I was elated on the weekend bear because he ended up still goal kicking, and I thought that was fantastic. And then, like Newcastle, he just stunk against the Warriors, where you would have expected a good game. 31 points with the goal kicking still. I can understand people getting frustrated. Um, I can understand going for some pod moves, and we'll talk about some other fullbacks coming up, like Clint Gutherson as an example. But uh, I'm an owner, and I'm going to hold him. Do you do you own Ponga for this week?
0: Yeah, I still have Ponga, and we'll probably and yeah, no, I'll definitely hold him. I'm I'm not very high on him. And discuss this on our pod. I think with these young guys, Man and Lino, I think they're like they're inexperienced, and I get they they need to try and prove themselves too. But um I think Blake Green understands even at this stage in his career, all footy is one the same way in under sixes, give it to your best player on the field. (laughs) And and Pong is easily that. Like, remember that play, and um, I, I can't remember who they were playing, but Pierce had the ball, and he sort of shuffled across the field, didn't give it to Pong and took a tackle. Next play, Pong gets the ball, skips outside someone, passes it off, try. He just moves at a different pace than anyone else, so... I don't get why the coach hasn't said anything. It's, it's something he's got to try and sort out, particularly down that left hand side where Pong has been pretty dangerous. It just blows my mind where he, it, like he can do that, those things down that side and somehow just doesn't get the ball to do it quick enough. So I don't know. I'm not high on him having Lino inside him for the, the last few weeks. And I can understand why those people are getting off him. In, say, in saying that, though, I, I don't think I'd... Uh, Gutherson's potential, but I think the only person I'd probably trading for would probably be um, Pappenhausen.
1: Yeah, I mean, Papp's got a good draw as well. Um, I, I guess I'm going to leave this Pongan discussion on two points. The first one is three out of the next four games for the Knights, are, these are important games as well. They need to play well. They need to bounce back from the Warriors, and I always like... When a team's down on form and the superstars have played badly, there's more chance they're going to probably play bet- much better the following week. The Sharks are a good matchup. They've got the Roosters, which isn't a good matchup at all. But then they've got the Dragons and the Titans. And again, if you're, if you're aiming to be at that pointy end of their dead finals, those last two weeks with Ponga versus Dragons, who like to give up some points to fullbacks, and the Titans, who will give up a mountain of points to Ponga, uh, those are premium matchups, and I think that you're going to miss him if you trade him out. Even as soon as this week, you might miss him. The last point that I'll make with it there is what I always like to do, because I go absolutely ballistic at my TV, and I'm surprised it's still intact after a few of these games lately. But when I see one of my players is absolutely stinking up, like Kalen Ponga did with 31 points on the weekend, to try and level myself out from range trading, I always make sure I have a look at what he did before he was shit that week. And if you have a look at that, it actually looks pretty bloody good, you know. Like, he went the last five rounds before he's 31, it was 66, 89, 172, 70, 66, and 92. So, like, it was only a few weeks ago where we were saying how amazing he was for 172 points versus the Tigers. I think it's the fifth biggest score of all time or something. So, you do well not to not to forget some of those scores before he's 31, because he's just as likely to put those up again shortly.
0: Yeah, and nah, I, I see your point, but again... You need to consider like the ins and outs as well. There's a, there's a heap of variables you've got to think about. And I I think we saw when man was there, how he could sort of stifle Ponga. And I think Lino might do the same, but yeah, I I don't think I'm going to have the opportunity to trade him out. So I'll, I'll hold him and I'm not, I'm not overly concerned, but I'm not too happy about it either. So again, it's, and getting rid of him could be a master stroke. If you were chasing some points at the top, it could be a pot option. But, yeah, it, it's hard to give up on a bloke who can score 172 points.
1: Definitely is. Um There is a lot more in this game as far as uh, pods or, or players of interest. Do you see any captaincy or vice-captaincy options you'd have a stab at? I don't think I've got any for this one.
0: Nah. Nah, again, I think, I think Cleary's got to be either your vice-captain or captain. Yeah. And I I don't think you can go, even though it's the Raiders, I don't think you can go past Teddy as your other option if um, you're a serious player. Like, the Roosters are looking a lot better again now that they're starting to get some um, firepower back.
1: Yep. Um, let's move on to the next game. So this one is your boys, the Storm versus the Rabbits. So, good timing for your storm, mate, because Latrell Mitchell's season is done. Alex Johnson's at full back. The storm, you guys lost, uh, Steve to an ACL injury. Um, Brenko Lee's in there though, and I think he's been pretty good for you guys. Uh, Lumi Lumi's on the wing, who looked pretty good on his debut.
0: Like him, hey.
1: Yeah, he's a... I was saying um, to a couple of the boys that I, I hope he doesn't play another game because I want him to be cheap for next year for round one. is out as well, but he's replaced by Big Tino, so you're not going to lose much there. And uh, Lewis is into the second row. So there isn't um, a huge amount of changes outside of Brenko um, Lee having to come into the centres for your guys and Nassau. Um, The Rabbitohs have got a bigger probably out in Latrell Mitchell. Uh, Let's start off with the Rabbits here. He wasn't wasn't on our sheet to discuss, but uh, because the Rabbits don't have a huge amount of market trends at the moment on traded in or traded out, it'd probably be good to talk about one of their players, and that's Alex Johnson. Um, So I know we didn't mention much about him before when we were chatting about players, but uh, Johnson's going to be playing fullback, uh, and a couple of the listeners were asking what type of... um, what type of averages he has at fullback. Now, he only played the one game that was not injury-affected at fullback this year so far, and it's 58 points. But he has put up some big numbers, um, even on the wing with his try-scoring. Like, he scored 138 points against the Dragons in round 12. He is 509,000, which is a bit in no-man's land for price. He's probably the only rabbit that I've seen people talking about as a bit of a port option. Um, I don't love him to bring in this week, but i tell you what, for the Tigers and the Bulldogs in round eighteen and nineteen, he, he might be a go playing fullback.
0: Who's um? Is he only available at fullback, or can you get him centre wing?
1: No, he's centre wing, fullback, mate. So you'll be throwing him in at centre wing for a five hundred k hand grenade.
0: Yeah, no, nah, see, I'd, I'd like you said, I'd in that position, I still think Lomax could be a better option. I, I think you need two of the Panthers, so there's. I, I don't think there's really. Enough room there for him. I'd, I'd and and then Brett Morris or Tupu, one of those two. So for me, I I wouldn't be able to find enough room for him.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I mean it was um probably the only guy that's been brought up for the rabbits last year. I will say he played most of the season um at number one with the games that he played. He only had two out of his twelve games uh, on the wing. The other ten out of twelve were. On, at fullback and he only cracked sixty twice out of those ten games at fullback. So his average is not great. He's got a um I think it's around a forty average while he was in that number one jersey last year. So it isn't anything to look at as far as his stats go, but if you think he's gonna go well the next month, maybe next week guys, is the way to have another look at him. On the storm side of things, um, equally mate, probably the trade it out hasn't happened. There's obviously the talk about Cameron Smith uh, but Cameron Munster is the guy that's most relevant. He's the number one trained in player at the moment. Pretty self-explanatory, but I will throw it to you to ask you the question. Um, he obviously is coming back from injury. He's only 15% of teams, which is really good for him at the moment, but he only scored 63 points on the weekend against a pretty depleted manly side. Um, are you expecting him to, to fire up this last month of footy?
0: Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, I think, I think he's a good option just because um, obviously, first game back, and you expected him to be rusty, and to get the a 63 in that game where he barely did anything. He's he's got that f- floor. so he's he's a safe pick, I think. Um, he's he, we we talked about um Fogarty and Brimson, and they're both you're both swinging for the fences there, but Munster's your safe pick. So if if you were leading, I'd be picking Munster if you needed to find someone to put in that at five eighth. Um, the only problem is, like, if, if we're starting blokes like Lewis in the second row, someone, someone said they heard Kenny Bromwich might be back, but, um, if, if we're starting Lewis in the second row, our depth is pretty thin on the bench. I think we're running two backs as well. So, I, I I'd get Lachel's a pretty big out, but, um, I, I think it, for South, this is a, probably as good a time as any to get Melbourne since the para game. So, I think I'd actually prefer Cam Smith, to tell you the truth. Um, I still think Munster can't really direct a side, and um, with Pappenhausen down there, they might split some points, but um, I think Cam Smith's going to have to step up. And you were saying about looking at what a player does before their last poor game, even though... Smith wasn't that great. He was. He's been averaging up in the seventies. So for me, I'd, I'd probably actually prefer Smith as a trade in over Munster.
1: Yeah, that's a fair call. Um, I think Munster's a good trade if, if you do need to trade Sean Johnson because you don't have anyone else to play or, or uh, there's no one else to really trade in your team or something like that. I think the Sean Johnson to, to Cam Munster is a is a good trade, uh, and I will say. They played South in round four, the Storm, and Munster threw up 86 points against them, which is his fourth best score this season so far. So that's not a bad number um, from round four if you can replicate it from round 17. There was a couple of port options that people have thrown up as questions as well, mate. Now... One of our long-time listeners especially has brought up both of them, so I thought that it's good to talk about. So one of them didn't make much sense, and we'll get to him last, but the other guy, you know, is a little bit more interesting and complete pottish, and that's Justin Olam. Now, Be doesn't matter as much, BA 41. He's about 450K, so he's reasonably priced for a centre win. I think the thing that got the attention is that he's just come off 100 points against um, Manley. Now, I admit I haven't really looked at him much, but in his last month of football, he hasn't gone too badly. Before that 100, he threw up 31 points against Para, uh, but then he had 94 against the Roosters and 76 against the Bulldogs, and he's actually scored, uh, five try, uh, sorry, six tries in his last four games. So he's been on an absolute try scoring spree that I wasn't aware of. He hadn't scored, uh, for seven weeks prior to that round 13 game against the Dogs, and now he's going over all the time, it seems. Um, I, he scored poorly all year, basically, until the last month of footy. They've got Souths this week, and then they hit the Cowboys, the Tigers, and the Dragons for a relatively good draw for the Storm. Obviously, Olam's an ultimate pod. Um, what's your take on him? I really hadn't looked at him until a couple of listeners brought him up.
0: Um, no, nah, I hadn't looked at him either. I know he'd been scoring a few tries, but I've, I've, I've said before, it's hard to go anywhere near Melbourne the outside backs. It's always rocks and diamonds. Um, and I'd just prefer to get to some teams where they you can generally see which side of the field they attack down but um melbourne are running down that um left-hand side a lot yeah on they're they're getting a nice connection out there all and the fox i wish the fox would stay but um he he looks a good prospect but i just don't think i can bring him in like again that it's a choice where it's a bit of a hail mary pick for me but um I mean Melbourne's draw, Melbourne's draw is good, and, and and again, I I mean it might sound like I'm making excuses, but you could nearly write his score off against Para. Melbourne would pretty much the Sunshine Coast Falcons that game. So, um, yeah, it's I don't know. Maybe get one of your listeners to trade him in, and we'll just see how he goes for the last four weeks. <laughs>
1: Well, he does have a base of around thirty, so that's pretty solid. Um, he does have quite a few tackle breaks too, so he's done pretty well with that. I'm gonna, I'm he gonna has, agree with you.
0: He has a few tackle breaks. Yeah, he's
1: he's been getting a few a game. He's going pretty well with them.
0: Yeah, because you see how hard he runs. I wouldn't want to tackle that. <laughs> <laughs> like I honestly think pound for pound, he could be the hardest runner in that in the game.
1: Yeah, he does really go for it. Like he's he, he normally there's one. One every game where he just steamrolls them and you just think, you know, they're going to have a HIA for sure. The way they just sort of reel out of it and he rolls over them. But for super coach, um, I'm, I'm not really interested, but I will say that there is merit to have had a look at him. And if you want to go for an ultimate pot option, I, I think he could do just as well as any of the big guns in the last month of footy. So I get it. Um, I'm not really into it, but I'm exceptionally not into the fox. So Adokar is the other guy. And the only explanation I can give to people having a look at him is because the old, you know, chasing last week's points, he's put up 137 points against Manly, and he looked really good. Um, you know, before that, he went 51-80, 72-17 to round out his five-round average of 71. If you've got a five-round average of 71, and you've just thrown up 137 points, it probably gives you an indication of your inconsistency. Uh, and that's why I just I don't like him. The, the fox only has a, a 20 base. Um, I think that we spoke about him two months ago on this pod to trade him in for the Gold Coast game because he was, you know, it cost nothing. He was about 350,000, 340,000. That was the sort of trading that I could support at 200,000 more though, Bear. He's 540 grand. I just don't think you can pay that for the fox because it's too much rocks and diamonds. And I don't think he's someone that you can start every week for the next month.
0: No, and I think I had this, I'm going to say the same thing now as I did back then. Two rocks and diamonds, any of the Melbourne outside backs, because you never know where they're going to attack and that they share their points around. So I'm I'm not going to back away from that statement and I'd rather other players. If if Alex Johnson's down the list, then the Fox is further down for me.
1: (laughs) As far as captaincies goes, let's assume that some people don't own Nathan Cleary. We've got Munster and Cam Smith as options in this one. Do you think either of them are going to be viable for the C? No. I, I actually don't know what way this game's going to go, so I'm going to revert to you on a score check here. What do you think?
0: For anyone who's, um, a Rabbits fan, if, if the Rabbits can't beat this team as, as they're named, then they're no shot in the finals.
1: You know what? I'm going to go your guys by two points. Now that I've thought about it, I think no Latrell Mitchell's yeah. going to hurt him a little bit. Um,
0: so. Have, have you seen the Storm Bench?
1: <laughs> have you seen the type, the South Ford pack that they've had all year? <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I know. And I've been, I've been one of the people most critical of that, but I'd like, uh, it, we're starting Lewis on, on an edge as he, he's named. Obviously Brom might come in, but what we've got showing, showing, showing as a, as one of our bench players, and the, and the way that bloke runs, he's he's likely to come on and get a HIA. Then we've got two out, two backs, and one other forward. I'm just uh, it's blown my mind what Bellamy's done. So it's, it's, we're actually going through a bit of an injury crisis. Like you look at that, we've got Brendan Smith out, Naz out, Bromwich out. Tui hasn't come. He had he's had that back thing all year, so. That we're go, we're, we're pretty ravaged leading up to the finals. So I don't know if it's the best thing ever, but anyway, we'll see how we go. I hope you're right. I hope we get up by two points. But if they, if, if that happens, then people have been talking Souths up as getting into some form at the right end of the season. Um, mm-hmm. if Melbourne win this game as the team's named, then I don't think Souths are a shot in the finals. Oh, well,
1: that may very well be the case. Let's go on to the next one. Not a huge game by any stretch in real life or in Supercoach. Canterbury versus the Titans, so not a lot of changes. Um, Aburillo comes back onto the bench, which is just an absolute killer. If you own him, you have to trade him because he's an AE nightmare and he's has got elite cash um, for the Titans. Fodawaker returns, which is great for them. JR is actually on the extended bench, but not really Supercoach relevant. Uh, this game here has no market watch viability at all. Um, it doesn't really even have any, um, pod viability aside from, say, Brian Kelly, who was spoken about too much already, uh, in the past podcast. I'm not going to disrespect the Canterbury and Gold Coast fans too much, but is there anything that you like in this one aside from AJ Brimson, which we can probably spend five minutes on? Uh, we act-
0: we actually discussed this the other night and, um, uh, people have all been talking up, um, AJ Brimson, but, um, if, if you have a look at it, I've mentioned him already. What are your thoughts on Fogarty?
1: I'm going to say that I have not looked at Fogarty much from Supercoach. Um, in real life, he's done some good things, I thought, but.
0: Uh, he, his three round average is sitting at a 69.
1: Yeah, he's had a real good month of footy and it's been really noticeable. And it's one of those things where as a young half, you kind of expect him to take half a season to kind of, you know. Get their feet in the NRL, so it makes a bit of sense. But do you think that he's really going to continue that on
0: though? I'm not so sure. Like, if he gets the goal kicking, then I, yeah, I don't know. Mm, yeah, I don't know. It's like I said, I'd I'd rather get a safer pick in there. But um, he's he's average like that. A seventy average. I reckon if you went through some of the halves, um recently and had a look at the averages of all the halves I reckon he'd probably be near the top maybe under Cleary obviously but um I think you'd you'd think he'd be maybe second or third
1: for the last month of footy yeah he probably would be it's just a matter of whether you think you can continue that on I I kind of think that you have to you have to go for guys in this last month of footy with the head-to-head finals on that have got a bit of pedigree that you've got a little bit of faith in them repeating past form at least.
0: That's obviously the safe play, but um I mean if you're if you're thinking and about having a crack at Brimson then um i like i I think Fogarty could be just as good a shout, but that's just
1: Well let's have a look at Brimson, um, because he's the third most in player and he's really the only one relevant on Market Watch for this game. He's he's got you know eighty eight, ninety, sixty eight, one twelve Um, And he's 18 from his return game. You can pretty much scratch his return game. And he's he's averaging close to 90 points for for his month average. That's pretty insane. He's obviously been scoring tries three out of his last four. But it's more about the line breaks. He's just got a a massive amount of line breaks. My only problem with Brimson is he's 540,000. So he's not particularly cheap, but... You know, I know you mentioned Fogarty is a bit of a port option. Uh, I think that I'd rather Brimson if I was going to look at something like that because his line breaks and how he's been running um, has been sensational. He does have the Bulldogs this week as well.
0: Yeah, fair call. It, it might be something worth keeping an eye on for the last couple of weeks. See which one of those two scores more.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I definitely think aside from the Bulldogs, he's then got uh, the Broncos. So at least the next two weeks of Brimson is going to be interesting. Uh, I would prefer other 5 and full-backs. I think that it, his position is what kills him. Um, you've got other 5 like Munster, who I'd rather just get in. Um, yeah. And Munster's still only 15% owned, so he's not even hugely owned. Um, and full-back-wise, obviously, you know, the teddies and and other guys that we're going to talk about as well is always stacked. You've even got Turbo coming back for the last few weeks, potentially, to do a bit of a pod play, so... I think that's positionally it's a problem, but I can see it working for whoever brings him in for the next couple of weeks. I can definitely see him throwing up 90 over the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. Obviously, that's a safe play, but maybe one of them gut feelings you get.
1: I'll bring in Fogarty, mate. I'd love to chat about it in the off-season to see (laughs) how it went.
0: (laughs) How
1: do you see this one going between the dogs and the uh, and the Titans? I'm I'm leaning towards a dog's victory here with how they've been grinding lately. I the first half against Canberra last week they played pretty reasonable.
0: I'll go I think I'm gonna go the Titans.
1: Yeah, and that's just the sort of game this is. So I don't think <laughs> I think it's a hard one to pick. Um yeah,
0: I would not be laying any money on it whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I may not even watch it. I'll probably have to sacrifice one game this weekend for my wife and my marriage and it'll probably be that one. Um <laughs> round round next games, Manly and the Tigers. Now we've got Ruben Garrick and Thompson both out, and Thompson's actually just said he's retiring from the NRL now and that he's 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 out for the rest of the year with that injury, so that's a bit bit of a shame for manly fans for Joel Thompson. Missy's coming on the wing for Garrick, which is irrelevant um and Gazowski's starting in the back row. For the Tigers, what's slightly relevant is um, Dewey owners. You know, Dewey's had an up-and-down season. He, he's had some good games and some bad games, but he's been removed from fullback and put into the centre, which is a spot that you cannot start him in. He just does not score well at centre at all. Uh, Moses Empire goes back to the number one spot where he does score a lot better than what he will at centre. Um, and then we got a few other guys back that's largely irrelevant. Um, Tommy Talal is out, though, so if you needed some centre wing depth and you were looking at playing him, um, against the seagulls because the seagulls are a little depleted. You can't play Talau; he needs to be sold. This is an interesting one there because this is another game where you know Manly used to be a bit of a supercoach powerhouse come head-to-head finals time, uh, and they're not really this time around. Um, as far as uh, market watch goes, um, you know they've got well nobody um, that's being spoken about or, or brought in. As far as the pod watch goes, there isn't really anyone particularly interesting. Uh, between either of these guys, aside from, um, Luuma, Luma, who's pretty heavily owned. Um, I'd probably start off with the Tigers and say, as a Nofo owner, if I didn't sell him a couple of weeks ago, I'm not selling him for this Eagles matchup. I, I think that he can go pretty well this week.
0: Yeah, no way. You'd, you'd definitely keep him for this week, the way that, um, the Manly team's injuries are going. So, I'd, yeah, you'd, you'd definitely have to keep him for this one. But, I mean, Yeah, the only really one I reckon would be probably, as I mentioned, Daily Cherry Evans. I I can't really see anyone outside of him. Now Joel Thompson's out. They might look towards, um, Ciro a bit more often if you think, if you want to take a look that way. But again, like you're not going to bring these guys in over some of those Panther boys against the Broncos.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm really happy to have Nofo. Um, I'm going to play him. If you had to trade luxuries and the next few weeks didn't matter and you're all about this week and you had Panthers in your team and you didn't have a Nofo, uh, I think that he might be a solid trade in even just for the week if money and trades didn't mean anything. Um, I do think that Nofo, my big call for this game, I do think that Nofo's scoring a try and I do think that he's going to go 80-plus uh, in this one pretty easily. Really don't know what way it's going to go, though there's a few games this week that aren't that aren't that easy to pick. Um I'm leaning towards the Tigers, mate, but I really don't know.
0: Yeah, nah, I think I think the Tigers should win this one.
1: Yeah, let's let's talk about the next game because we're going to have to spend a bit more time on this one. This one's the Raiders versus the Roosters, and there's a lot of Super Coach significance in this one. Corey Haraway and Ira returns on the bench. Um, that could hurt uh, Joe Tapani, who's been playing reasonably well, although in and out of the starting lineup. Josh Papali is coming off a huge score, close to a ton last week, and he's back in the run-on side again. He keeps getting switched to the bench, but it's going to be starting again apparently. Now, Tom Starling had a cracker last week, but he's now back to the bench again. With the Roosters, SPW is a big inclusion. He's not going to be super coach relevant, so let's not get excited. Luke Keery returning. The big news, I think, here is that We've got Boyd Corner starting and up, which are dropping to the bench, but Angus Crichton is on the extended bench and so is Mitch Orbison and Wacko was saying that Orbo was training as well with the squad. So Angus and, and Mitch Orbison could both come in, uh, and that's going to be interesting how that plays out.
0: Again, like, I, just from that, I can't see, I can't see where, how you pick some of those forwards. It, like, even Crichton, you need at least a look at, like, you're not going to rest a centre, are you? you not, so you're not going to put Orbison out there. Say what, you've, you've got like, Nat Butcher, you've got, so say Crichton and Corden to start, you've, you'd have what, Satilli on the bench, you'd have Butcher on the bench, Orbo on the bench, and Sunny Bill on the bench.
1: Yeah, I think um, Butcher will be the one that will make way. So Butcher will...
0: Reckoning Butch- out of the squad.
1: Yeah, he'll be out of the squad. I'm pretty, I'd almost say for sure. Cause they'll put, they'll put a prop on the, on the bench. So it'll be someone like a Lizzie Collins or something. So I think the sort of bench they'll be looking for will be like a prop, um, Mitch Orbison as a utility value and, um, SBW as a edge slash middle. And Satili's has been an edge slash middle off the bench as well. So I think they'll roll with something like that.
0: If I was, um, butcher, I'd be filthy. I'd probably ask for a release.
1: Yeah, he's been one of those guys. Um, I have spoken about it before. He was meant to come through about five years ago, and he was one of those guys that was a little bit smaller and a bit of a workhorse, and he started off coming through pretty well, and then he kind of stunted and didn't develop for a few years, uh, and then he sort of come good again, but he's a bit older. The Roosters apparently have got much higher tags on, on younger brother Egan Butcher, who should be in the top 17 next year.
0: Yeah, right. No, he's not a bad player. I actually like him. He's got a bit of a work rate. Um, I, I'd like, if I was them, I'd probably play him over Orbo to tell you the truth.
1: Well, Orbo will be gone next year. So, I mean, that's the thing. The spot will open up for, for someone like Butcher to take it. So, whether it's Nat Butcher or he, he loses the spot to his brother and Egan Butcher comes in and snipes, so we will have to wait and see.
0: That would be hilarious. How would Christmas dinner
1: be? <laughs> <laughs> for the Raiders, let's let's start off with them from a supercoach point of view. I, I think that we I, we didn't have it on our run sheet, but we need to probably quickly give a shout out to Jack White and he's he's come from Supercoach Obscurity just to smash it the last couple of weeks. He scored a double for two weeks in a row. I was actually considering him two weeks ago when I had no five eight to play. I ended up getting Flanagan in him instead. Whiten's gone 109 and 95 the last two weeks. This, yeah. this Roosters game isn't good for him, but he's then got the Dragons, the Warriors and the Sharks. And he did smash us in the grand final last year. He was their best player on the park. So bit of a run from Whiten to finish off this year.
0: Yeah, no, nah, I, I like it. I, I don't mind that as a shout, but just be prepared. He, he's also rocks and diamonds too, so he's not guaranteed to consistently get your 80 plus.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, he's He's got a long list of poor scores before the last two weeks. Um, he's more of a shout out on how he's gone. Josh Papali was a definite buy a while ago and then he ended up playing lower minutes. So the last three weeks, he's gone 46, 39 and 52 minutes last week, which is much lower than the 60 odd that he was playing pretty much all year before that Um Potential that his minutes are gonna be going up again. He is someone who is an option though, Bear. I know he's playing the Roosters who've got a pretty strong pack, but he's only five hundred grand. So he might be someone that if you needed a pod play and you didn't have paying Haas, instead of getting Haas in maybe for Parley for a hundred grand less is um is more of an option to finish off the month.
0: Yeah, not oh not bad, but if he wants to continue starting off maybe, I don't know. That's that's one I wouldn't go. Like, I've got Carrigan and Haas sitting in my front row. I'm pretty happy with that, I reckon.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be trading anyone out for him at the moment if you've got those guys. Um, The Roosters have actually got a couple of guys the most traded in in the top 10 this week. James Tedesco, and that's obvious, you should have Teddy this week. He's going to play well. Again, I'm pretty confident, but Brett Morris is in there. Now, 620 grand. Um, I was looking at Brett Morris last week because obviously you'd think it was going to be a... A supreme matchup up and didn't really work out that way. He ended up scoring on the buzzer, um, which gave him a 75 score against the Broncos. But that was pretty lucky. He had 30 of those points come right at the end. He's gone down to 620 grand, which is a lot more palatable. He's only in 5% of teams. And obviously Canberra's a bit harder this week. And then they hit Newcastle, Sharks South. So a bit of a mixed bag on the Roosters' run for the head-to-head finals. Uh, I don't mind it as a trade-in if you've got the cash, and particularly with the low ownership. like I can still see him scoring tries for the rest of the year, but I'll, I'll, I'm just pretty undecided on it, and i am got my Roosters voice inside me saying, just buy Brett Morris, Barnsley. You can have him for the last month and just watch him play for the Roosters. Where are you at on, on buying Brett Morris this week? Yeah,
0: I looked at him last week too, and i'd I'd probably get him i like I don't know if I'd get him over toto but um i'd i wouldn't mind him having him in my team to finish the season with. I've actually got a bit of a bet on with um will he he thinks tupo will average more and i've got toto
1: well let's talk about tupo I brought him up last week and i I was talking about tupo in length, but I said last week he if yeah money was no option and you had wanted a bit of a hand grenade tupo coming straight in, could work out. He scored 95 points. He looked absolutely awesome. Like I owned him up until his injury, and I was so happy with it. He was averaging about 64 points or something, Uh then he got injured in round eight, but he looked great last week. Scored 95, two tries, looked really active, um, had a base of 27, which is not bad for a winger. His overall base is 32. I, I really like him. At 530K, you could definitely do worse. Um, I guess the only thing that's turned me off as a Tupo lover. His numbers are good, but his draw probably the next month isn't the best.
0: Yeah, I mean, and with Keery back in the team, it's probably more likely that he could possibly outscore Morris because if Flenno was there, I'm not, yeah, if Flenno was there with the rookie beside him, it'd probably be Morris. With Keery, there's more of a shot. But um, still, I think Flenno's pretty comfortable calling ball off Keery and, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, 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 I reckon Morris is a definite shout to get him. I've, I've seen it happen before. People have talked Tupu up and then all of a sudden he's gone off the boil. Morris has been pretty consistent this year. So I think I'd rather be behind him.
1: Well, Tupu doesn't really put up a bad score. And I guess that's the thing. Morris has got the upside. So Brett Morris has obviously got, um, a heap of tons this year. He's got four tons, one of them a huge one at 144. He's got those big scores in him. He's averaging 76 for the year. Um, his base is about five points less than what Tupo's is though. And he also doesn't get the tackle breaks and the, uh, the offloads that Tupo can get. So the base-base attack, if you want that's that more solid floor, then I think that you're going for Tupo. If you want the higher upside, then you're probably going for Brett Morris. And I think that's what kind of separates them. So we mentioned Flanagan. Um, I actually traded in Flanagan a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I'm actually Pleasantly surprised. When you're looking at 5'8", all of a sudden with Sean Johnson gone, if you've got Sean Johnson and Cameron Munster in, there isn't a lot of uh, number six options. It kind of falls off a cliff. Flanagan's halfback 5'8", avail- um, available, so you can put him in at six if you want to. He's coming off 92 points against the Broncos, 68 points a week before against the Tigers in his comeback game. Really should have been 88 points, but he got absolutely dudded on a try assist line break assist that got taken off him on review. So he's been tracking pretty well. He's actually sub 500k as well. So there might be some teams out there, mate, that need to free up some cash that have like an SJ at 600 and something thousand uh, that they can trade, make a hundred grand off going to Kyle Flanagan, and use that hundred grand to get a gun in somewhere else um, as a bit of a pod move. If we're talking about real pods, and I mean you mentioned Fogarty, so it's fair enough. We at least mentioned Flanagan, I guess, because he's I, I believe in him a bit more than what I do Fogarty.
0: A hundred percent. I like. Oh, yeah, I can't say Fogarty and not mention Flano, but um, uh, and that it helps to be in a higher, more powerful side. So, it, it's definitely a good shout in saying that is, will Robo drop him again?
1: Um, the thing is, that lands lands out for a few weeks. So. Oh,
0: right, so. <laughs> so. You
1: he said, oh, I would have put money on him not playing again for the year. I think that's how out of favour he was a couple of weeks ago. Like, uh, But all these injuries have just meant that there's no choice. Like, we had a point where we only had 17 healthy players before SBW got into camp. So uh, I think that he's going to play by default because Drew Hutchison plays on the other side um, and he's not going to switch sides and take take Flano's spot as goal kicker as well. So I think he's safe enough.
0: What was he on the nose for? Like, I heard some plays thought he had a big head. That's what...
1: I don't like to spread rumours, um, but uh, so I'll just say what I heard, and whether it's true or not, I have no yeah. idea, but...
0: Or maybe you can just tell me after the pod.
1: Basically what you said, um, yeah. with a little bit more detail that I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> um, so, in this one, James Sadesco is coming up 176 points. Normally, you'd just say, just throw the captaincy on him, but... We do obviously have the prime matchup with Nathan Cleary. Um, they are playing Canberra, so maybe it's a little bit harder. It is a GIO stadium, but geez, Teddy looked good last week. Do you, do you just roll with it and just go to see on him just to hope that he throws up something like last week again?
0: Yeah. Well, I said, I said, um, the last time he was on that run that I wasn't going to move the captaincy off him and I haven't done it. Imagine if you did after these few weeks and you were just like, oh, no, I'll just run with like a, I don't know, whoever else that you thought might have a big game, like maybe Bateman or something, (laughs) and then then he gets 170. You've got to have a piece of him some way, either a captain or a vice captain. You can't not have him.
1: Yeah, I think that Teddy and Cleary are the clear-cut captaincy options for this week. Um, so I, I'm tossing up between both of them. I will probably will all the way up until kickoff for the first game. I'm pretty confident in this one, Bear. I, I think my Roosters are, are primed with... Um, I don't think SBW makes a huge difference, but their side's pretty much back intact again, and I think they'll have a point to prove against the Raiders who last week, the first half of that Raiders game, I thought the Raiders were really poor. If they do that against us this week, that first half will put 24 on them.
0: Yeah, no, nah, I, I honestly, I, I think it's the comp's only down to three teams now, personally. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I think you should, you should have a win in this game.
1: Well, let's move along to the Warriors versus Eels. So, Warriors versus Eels, we've got George Jennings and Alvaro, um both gone. They were part of the loan agreement with the Eels. They can't play against the Eels, so that gets a little bit of tested depth for the Warriors. Dryfield's on the wing, um, and Jack Murphy starting in the back row. That's not great for them. Um, so the Warriors look more depleted than normal. The Eels have obviously got Dylan Brown out indefinitely, so that's huge for them. Although Dryfield comes in, and um, have to say, I was having this argument with uh, with your Champions podcast mate Wilford a little bit earlier this afternoon, because I always hassle him about Dylan Brown and say he's he's a shit half because he can't pass the ball. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Wilford obviously loves him, so he gets fired up. He, he was saying to me, oh, well, you know, it's, it's going to be worse now that Jai Field's there. And I was saying, you know, you can't get worse than never passing the ball. Um, so <laughs> to me, it's only an improvement. Like Jai Field has to pass more than Dylan Brown because Dylan Brown never passes. So I, I only see it as a plus for, for SIBO owners that the ball will come out there more than what it did with Brown. Um, and also like you said too, when Brown is out, Moses tends to take more ball and more control. And I can see him kind of doing that maybe floating over that side a little bit or throwing some, um, some outside balls back, back on the inside. Um, so yeah, I, I actually like it for SEVO owners, um, the giant fields in there for the eels overall. They might lose a bit of running, but I just can't see the eels not going well this week on a bounce back.
0: You reckon the eels will bounce back?
1: Oh, they just, they have to like they're, they're too talented, I think, to just. To play poorly against
0: this Warriors team. Yeah, I mean they've got the Warriors, so it'll probably be a win. But the Eels have been terrible. They've been really bad, and that's that's without too much too much disruption. Like obviously they've had some injuries, but even with most of their team there, I I, I don't know. I think that if they keep playing like they are, they're going out in straight sets come finals time.
1: Yeah, the finals might be a bit of a worry, but for this week, I think that they're, they're looking at a bounce back, and I'm going to make a big call. Um I said that the Panthers game, I want to have heaps of Panthers in my side against the Broncos. Um, I think that this is not as good as that matchup, but this is a premium matchup for this week for me. I, I think that I want a fair few Eels playing against the Warriors. I expect Sivo to get good ball, um, and I'm going to play. And I also expect Mitch Moses to actually be a bit of a pod play as a 400k half that you could bring in. Um, I've already got him as a reserve half, and I'm going to be playing him this week. Goal kicking, um, taking a bit more charge as well. He hasn't been going well lately, but I reckon it's going to be his best score in three months for Mitchell Moses.
0: Yeah, right. A
1: couple oh, of big, big calls there, mate. Oh, yeah,
0: I'll be watching that game intently.
1: <laughs> uh So talking about Sivo, would you... Would you start Sevo if you owned him? And secondly, if you didn't own him, do you still see him as a cut-price buyer to bring in a 370K and
0: throw in against the Warriors? Well, uh, If you're paying that much money for him, it's hard not to play him. So, yeah, if if, you, if you've if you got him and he's – I mean, I mean, it, it, his price is down from some bad scores, but you've forked out money for him. He is a premium centre, so – I, th- I think you have to play him no matter what. I wouldn't be bringing bringing him in. I'd rather go for pff, try and fit Morris and Tupu in. But um.
1: But if you yeah. don't have one point two million, maybe the three hundred and seventy grand <laughs> <laughs> Masedo makes more sense. Um,
0: yeah. I'd, who, what's the rest of their run home like?
1: It's actually not too bad. So they've got the Warriors, and then they've got a tough game against Panthers. But then they've got the Broncos at Bankwest Stadium, which is an absolute perler for the for the Parramatta Eels, and then they got the West Tigers to finish on. So that's one of the things. Like if you bring in Sevo this week as a cut price guy that you need to for depth, you would bench him in round eighteen, but round nineteen, and then the the grand final week for head to heads in round twenty, he's got the Broncos and Tigers premium points matchups.
0: Yeah, no, he's definitely an option. I think there's, I think there's better out there, but because I'd I'd expect most people to have three strong centres by now. So if you were going to bring in a fourth, I'd look somewhere else, but he, he could be a shout.
1: Uh, Ryan Madison's probably the other big gun in this one. Um, playing up against a Warriors edge, oh, I think that he can go well against that edge. Um, he's coming off 66 on the weekend, but he did throw 115 against your Melbourne Storm boys in round 15. If you wanted a safe can captaincy can,
0: option. Can you just fit... You, he, 100 against the Sunshine Coast Falcons.
1: <laughs> Come on, mate. You, you can't talk up this, uh, this big storm system out. Everyone's a superstar under Bellamy and everything. And then when you lose, say that they're all shit. Well,
0: <laughs> I mean, under, under Bellamy, it, it's handy if you have Cameron Smith and Munster in there helping him.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was an easier game. I like the Eels for that one. If you didn't have Cleary, um, and you had like a VC on Teddy, Someone like Ryan Madison, a bit of a safer play with the captaincy.
0: Potentially, I just feel um at this stage, if you're a if if you're chasing someone, you're captaining a uh, captaining a back, and if if you're leading and you're looking for money, you're trying to cancel out as many players as you possibly can, which means you're also captaining a back.
1: All right, fair enough. Um, I I tend to half agree at least. Um, one thing that piqued my interest with Ryan Madison looking at some numbers, when you're looking at number patterns, has never gone this this much of a drought of not scoring a try this year um, until this week. So he's due to score this week, if you look at the numbers. He hasn't gone more than a month without scoring a try all year. Um, basically, it took him four rounds before he hit a try in his fifth game, and then he didn't go more than um, more than a game before he hit another try. So... He's been scoring and hitting line breaks most games, um, but he hasn't lately um, as far as try scoring. So I reckon that he's going to score a try against the Warriors, and he's looking at 90 points plus.
0: I'll I'll put my next mortgage payment on an eight anytime try scorer.
1: Put your next two on it, mate. It's coming. (laughs) Uh, The last game of the round. Uh, Well, actually, we should go with predictions. I already said that I think the Eels are bouncing back, and I think they're going to be 12-plus winners in it. But what's your take? You think the Warriors could upset...
0: No, they won't upset them. They, the parish should win. I just, I just don't know if it'll be a massive blowout. Yep. The wor the worries are they're, obviously they're not great, but for for their roster and what they've gone through, they're playing some more right footy lately.
1: Yeah, they've been playing well. I mean, they've been trying hard, and that's the main thing for them to keeping things competitive. So I'm sure that they'll try hard again. Cowboys Dragons is the last game. Now this one really. Should in super coach terms, four finals week one should be just known as the AE nightmare game. It's the last game of the round. We've got the Hammer coming back for the Cows, oh, geez. and we've got Fuimano coming back for the Dragons on the bench. So two guys that can score ten points off the bench pretty easily. It's just hurt a lot of teams. So probably the biggest thing with this game is that you want to get those guys out of your side.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. That'd be the first thing you'd be trying to do.
1: Uh, as far as guys that are relevant, we don't need to talk about how good Lomax has been. He was pretty poor last week, but I think that he's bouncing back massively against the Cowboys this week. He should be in for a much better performance.
0: Yeah, you're, you're not going to expect someone to play at the level he'd been the whole season. You're going to have a down game. He'll bounce back. Um McKinnis, maybe Aiken, if you wanted a bit of a pod, but outside of that, Uh, The Dragons have got an all right run home, but even then, I I, I think outside of McInnes and Lomax, you're probably taking a bit of a shot in the dark.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb on this one and say I'm not going to go through any numbers or stats because aside from Lomax and McInnes that we've spoken a lot about, I don't want any piece of this game. Um, I would hate for my head-to-head finals week one matchup to hinge on the last game of the the round being the Cowboys-Dragons. That would absolutely kill me.
0: Fair enough
1: <laughs> I will give one shout out to a Cowboys player though before we finish up um, and if you want a real shot in the dark Valentine Holmes isn't being talked about at all um, I was really not big on him at all this year I thought that he wouldn't be very good and I felt pretty vindicated by that but two of his next four games are decent he's got the Dragons this week hard game against the Storm and Panthers and then grand final head to head week round 20 versus the Broncos which will be a pearler Playing in the number one Jersey Bear, goal kicking potentially, and he's only three hundred and fifty K. Yeah, you'd have to put him at fullback, but when we talk about making really funky moves just for your run home with your head to heads especially, you could trade, you know, Ponga to Valentine Holmes and trade, you know, Avarillo or Hammer as an AE nightmare to basically any gun in the game. So those are maybe the type of desperation moves that you could look at, but um, but Holmes at three hundred and fifty k, there's there's definitely some value there for at least two out of the four of the next games.
0: Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, he might be a good shout to bring in in that last match up of the round or of the year, I reckon. More yeah. so than anything else.
1: Yeah, the local derby versus the, uh, versus the Broncos, I reckon that he, he's got ton written all over him for that one to finish off on a high, so he can get a bit of a contract extension. Yeah, I agree. So, how do you see this one finishing up? There, last game of the round, cows versus dragons. I think the answer's a pineapple. I got <laughs> no idea.
0: <laughs> I'll, 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 I'm leaning dragons.
1: Alright, I'll lead dragons as well because they've been pretty solid, and no Tomalolo is going to hurt, um, mate. Thanks for jumping on the pod again. It was good to have you on second time this year.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been it's been pretty good.
1: All right, mate. well, cheers. Um, guys, listen to the Supercoast Champions podcast as well. They're always doing great work with Wilfred and Bear at the helm. Um, you can download this podcast or stream it on both SoundCloud and iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. You'll get the episodes straight away. Uh, follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. Any questions that you have, fire them away there, especially with the head-to-head rounds coming into finals. We'll answer anything that you've got to throw at us. Until then good luck with your trades good luck with your around my matchups hopefully you survive till next week and we can give you some more great advice